This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. And I've decided that you and I and Phoebe and Scott need to write a paper about overcoming uh, deficit thinking. Oh, my gosh. You, I, do you know, I just wrote a letter to the Whakatane Beacon asking them to please stop publishing the court news for that very reason. That in itself is just it is just the sign of this deficit thinking that just plagues our community, and we just have to stop re-victimizing people. Yes, yeah, we, please, st- we need to that. we need to find a way that does you know you, it needs to be that it does recognize that there are challenges, but yeah. do that in a positive way. Yeah, don't keep on breaking broken people. Yeah, so I think that there's some work to do in that space. And who are we introducing today? Speaking of people who actually, you know, do great things, (laughs) it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Genevieve Robinson. Genevieve is a marine consultant who does some really amazing work around Hector's dolphins and their issues. Um, And she also is an advocate and an activist, I would say, for better health care, uh, particularly in women's health. Um, and there is only two of many hats that she wears. Genevieve, it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's very exciting. <laughs> Where are you, Genevieve? I am based in Christchurch. However, I'm a Dunedinite, born and bred. All the best people are. I know, good southern stock. So we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and of course that's fading into history and then it got complicated with a traffic light and whatever else, but we'll go back and ask it anyway. How was your bubble life? Uh, the first time around was actually really good. Um, it felt refreshing, liberating, and as a you know conservationist, I could see the positive changes in nature, um, in particular bird life. Um, and actually as a family, we started counting birds daily um, because I've I've been contributing to the New Zealand bird survey for a while and you know uh, doing data entry and stuff like that so I actually knew what to do and we did an hour a day of counting bird life and that really changed I noticed that Um, the second time round was actually highly boring and quite stressful Um, and I started walking every day for about six kilometers and I was like oh my god this is my new thing (laughs) I think you're only allowed to go one kilometre diameter, like radius, but you're allowed to do, yeah, anyway. We all noticed that the the birds seemed to be more, and there's some debate about whether they were just 
there were more of them or were they, did we just notice them because we were at home and and it was quiet did people find similar things in in dolphins was it better for dolphins i'm not sure actually because um the cruise ships and uh, not cruise ships the um the harbour cruises, etc., in Akaroa were, weren't actually allowed to run in the initial lockdowns. Um, I don't think that it was really sort of um, monitored like that. Um, we still have a public app which is available, which is Hector's Spotting or Hector's Sightings, where the public can actually um, help contribute to citizen science. And that information is verified by the Department of Conservation. So um, during that period, we did have a few sightings um, when people were actually out and about, but you have to live in those coastal areas. You can't sort of, you know, go on your family trip in your car to the coast and, and do that. So, yeah, it probably was quite sporadic for a lot of things. But, um, yeah, I haven't really looked into details. I've looked into bycatch details during that time for fisheries and and dolphins getting caught. Of course, there was one Hector's dolphin that got caught during lockdown, and um, the information on that was delayed um, for the public to be notified of it because of lockdown, and uh, that wasn't okay. Um, that's another story. <laughs> A lot of things happened, actually, under the radar because it was lockdown, and um, you know, while there was an influx of bird life in the garden, there was also a lot of... Um, movement and activity at sea without the observers on board boats and things like that because they too were restricted. Um, so we got a lot of bycatch that wasn't really um, acknowledged. So is this dolphin work, is it work? Does that work I, for you? I am actually completely um, volunteer at the moment. I'm actually um, a trained journalist, but um, I was made redundant on maternity leave back in the day. And I have really not um, put that to much use as in paid use. Um, I've used it a lot to write to government um, to use in many other areas, um, including health and um, conservation as in preparing papers, um, research information, helping other journalists who have uh, quite an amazing outreach to help them compile information that they otherwise didn't know and I knew where to look. So, But other than that, I'm actually um, I'm, I'm running for regional council this year. So that is my um, main target. You've, actually, you've got a regional council again. You had a... Commissioner for the longest time. We did. Um, we had one democratic round um, in in the seat, so they were elected in in two thousand and nineteen. Um, that's the first democratic. Well, I don't know about that, but anyway, it's the first voted in crew since the earthquakes. Yes. Do you think all the problems have have been sorted? You still don't have any more water to to allocate than there is. Uh, no, true, and that's one of the other groups I'm part of. Is um, I'm one of the founding committee members of AWA, which is Aotearoa Water Action. So we um, we're still waiting on the Court of Appeal outcome and decision uh, from last year, and that's been a very, very tiring, taxing, long process. And um, you know, had had the original consent granters 
um, done their due diligence and job properly, we wouldn't be here. Um, but we're, you know, ho hoping for a good outcome. Still waiting. What are you hoping to achieve on the regional council? Um, more marine focus. Um, a lot of people, including some people in the council, are, are really not aware of their duties, I guess, with regards to um, coastal environment. So they're actually bound by law to look after uh, the coastal environment out to 12 nautical miles. And um, that is just not happening anywhere. Um, we've got less than 1% of our coastline protected um, right around New Zealand. And, you know, we're actually in a unique situation here. We're, we're an island nation where we could achieve so much without the influence of others, yet we... Uh, we're doing quite the opposite. We're like the following the Pied Piper, really. Um, we're influenced by a lot of other countries with a lot more spending capacity than we have. Um, and, yeah, and in doing so, we're watching some of our endemic species disappear down the drain. So I, I want to achieve that, actually. I want to make sure that, you know, based on many other examples, like the Matiti decision, um, similar things could follow suit. And I'm, I have actually challenge the regional council here in, in the same way, giving them um, a legal reminder, should I say, that they're actually under watch at the moment um, with a very outdated coastal plan. And, you know, you could all very well say, here I am on a tangent, um, you, could, you could wait for the new RMA replacement that the government plans to enforce towards the end of this year, next year, but then you've got the submissions by obviously iwi and other stakeholders um, and then challenges in place so you know it might not come into effect for years so seriously there's no excuse to not follow the current law um, where you're bound by it and that is really what annoys me about regional councils right around the whole country actually let's take the first of your music tracks let's have mogli milky eyes why this one Mowgli's very cool, actually. She's a, a nomad, um, but with very solid foundation. And she also allowed me uh, to use some of her music without any strings attached for the sake of Hector's dolphin conservation in some of my videos. Through Mickey eyes I see The other's whispering tales Of
definitely got an activist heart and uh, I see that in your practice and all the things that you're involved in and all the difference that you make. What has inspired that in you? Where did it come from? Um, I think my parents and um, my upbringing has always been directed to me having my own mind. Um, if I think something is wrong, then it often is um, if I have a gut feeling about something, then follow that gut feeling. And I think that has always been um, the ethos of my my parents. Um, they're very bright, functional people, I guess. And uh, mum's very artistic, and dad is to a degree too. He's very uh, a bright, intellectual engineer. Um, and I just guess that's just... I've always felt this huge deep down desire to follow the path of the vulnerable I guess whether it be animal or human and um, to look outside myself and hope for a better outcome yeah that that um it's the language that you're using the following the path the looking outside that's all that's a that's a whole skill set a whole ability to see the way forward do you think that it's a creative thing or is it at the heart of activism practice because I ponder this all the time where does that come from I don't know it's like a sense though it's it's more in depth than that it's quite an emotional um sense for me smells taste light everything triggers something in me and sometimes it's quite an emotional feeling and I, it's overwhelming and I don't quite know what that means for me but I guess when I wake up in the morning I say to myself what is it that I need to do today to achieve um, a feeling good in myself and making 
the world a slightly better place than yesterday. And I have to do it every day or else I can't get out of bed. And um, I, I mean, I'm going to be open about it. I do. I've, I've been di um, diagnosed in the last few months as having adult ADHD. And I think that is a really fundamental reason why I am so strongly um, pivotal for a sort of emotional cues on things. And um, yeah, that that's... I think that, in essence, is why I am who I am and do what I do. Did that ADHD um, impact on you as a learner, as a child? Oh, hell yes. I kept, weirdly, all my original school reports. And I can almost feel when it all started for me. Um, I would have been about eight or nine, and I had a really, really bad teacher who made me feel half-witted um, and clearly she actually told me I was um, and you know it, it is a huge thing she totally dented my entire feelings about myself my self-motivation my confidence she drummed it out of me and uh, it took many years for me to actually work out how to start building that back up you know I was in my mid-teens late teens and um, all my school reports just say very average student could work harder she's bright but can't achieve and that's really in essence exactly what it is I didn't know how I was unique and I felt that and um, there was no steering or guidance from any teacher who obviously also didn't understand what it was um, and I find it probably very similar these days women are very underdiagnosed and there's been many articles on it of late um, very hard to get a diagnosis in this day and age. Why do you think that is? Well, the people who are trained to assess adults in ADHD and let alone women with ADHD are absolutely under the pump. Um, I had to try four different assessors in order to even get on a waiting list, let alone be assessed. And that same person is now not taking anyone to after July for a waiting list. Um, mm. Good luck with getting on any other person's waiting list. Some people don't even have them. They're so inundated. Um, it's really scary. And it's a scary thing to navigate as an adult with it. Um, because, you know, it, I, I was diagnosed with depression um, at probably 14. Um, definitely at 26, I was medicated on the wrong thing. I went very spiraling out of um, probably mental stability. Um, terrible. But actually, it wasn't depression at all. At, mm. at all. It was anxiety, 100%. Those are two very different things. Yeah, very. If you um, if you had the opportunity to, well, you have the opportunity because you're speaking to, to an international audience right now, what would you say to women who are who are experiencing those those symptoms of neurodiversity um, in terms of seeking out some sort of um, treatment or at least a diagnosis? Uh, I would say if you live in my region, please reach out to me. I um, it's One of my things is I research a lot of health-related issues and um, I, I actually helped author the New Zealand sepsis plan 
um, because it was lacking, and that's a very, very new uh, document that was released. So I, I have, a, I, I always build a community around me, a wee village of um, either people experts to go to, or people who have also sought the same thing, and we're like a wee cluster, a wee sort of, yeah, community. And um, I'm very happy to help people. I've helped another two people, and yeah, they're getting diagnosis at the moment. Um, but in other countries, just keep persevering. I just feel sorry for those countries that where people have to pay all the time. And sadly, New Zealand's heading in that direction too. We can't get public assessments anymore as an adult, especially in the DHB here. Um, I had to fork out $1,400 in order to be assessed. Um, we're just lacking. Like even Australia, we're behind the eight ball completely behind the eight ball. We still get urine tests to get Ritalin. Australia doesn't. And the main reason is because people with ADHD always self-medicate in some shape or form. And that's because we either go for alcohol or we try and find some sort of way of bringing up our dopamine levels. And we shouldn't be targeted in a urine sample um, and then a lot of people are rejected for Ritalin help because they have a positive outcome in the urine test. Well, that's disgusting. One of the, um, you and I have come together um, over discussions around bariatric surgery and I was reading uh, that Auckland is going to get 20 places in the public health system for bariatric surgery and I actually laughed out loud. 20 places for for that community with, you know, what is it, one and a half million people and a terrible obesity epidemic and they're getting 20 places. In the Eastern Bay of Plenty here, there are none. I don't know if there are any in the Bay of Plenty itself. And it just seems like at the moment, health is in a crisis. Well, I tell you one thing. Every DHB has a budget for bariatric surgery. A lot of them don't actually use it to its full capacity. So if they're getting extra funding, all very well and good. But whether they use it or create yet one more hurdle for someone to cross in order to get there, because I'll tell you what, they'll probably reallocate that money like they do here in Christchurch. Um, every single thing as an adult, um, you have to have something underlying. If it's not two things, it's got to be three things. Next year, it'll be four things. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. Oh, God, honestly, don't get me started. But for bariatric surgery, I do have to say something. I know a lot of people who have used the KiwiSaver because they do pay out for bariatric surgery. And so anyone who is considering it, please go down that route, like months and months before you're considering it. Honestly, it's the best decision I have ever made. And the only thing I want to say, I wish I did it 10, 15 years ago. 57 kilos in 16 months. Oh, wee. That's outstanding. And that's just for a sleeve. I mean, if you're going for a bypass, you'd expect to probably get another five or six plus. Well, we And I just have to say that um, I know quite a few people who follow you, have followed your journey and you have been the inspiration for them to make oh, really? that step. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't I, know. I, it's it's a wonderful thing that you've done by making it so public. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually writing a book at the moment. 
Yeah, it's called Mind Over Fatter. And uh, <laughs> and my bariatric surgeon, um, Dr. Stephen Kelly here in Christchurch, uh, God, I can't rate him enough. He, whew. Anyway, he um, he's writing the foreword for my book. And um, so it'll be dietitian, specialist, user-based. That's so good. Yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahunu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mi aroha nui kia koutou ko tāwhahau. I hope you're all having best day, beautiful superstars. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening, this journey that we're all on together has been very, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique year, making things better. Thank you. Now, of course, I'm croaking to you from my and for all of us who've had more years of many challenges. And outside window, I can hear birds singing. You can hear the city clanking away. And of course, I feel very grateful, very privileged to be this world that we all share. And to have this time with you, which today will be even longer. I'm so excited. I feel very, very privileged indeed, very honoured. How lucky we are, of course, all of us, that we have been born into this world. And... As each day dawns and the light returns, we have that sense, as John O'Donoghue would, would say, of the generosity of light, illuminating and enshrining that it touches, including us. We are lit up, we are given the opportunity to be seen. And we also, of course, in each moment, have a choice about who we want to be, how we want to be, how we want to show up, how to be seen, all these things. It's fascinating. And of course, this is our life, this is our life's journey to move through these times of darkness and light, to dance between the darkness and the light, to allow ourselves to be seen, to allow ourselves time, not to be seen, we calibrate all these things. And we're very lucky that we do it here, I feel, in Autipoti Staneden, in my mind, the ultimate paradise of the whole world. And when I was a little girl and I left here, I was told that my placenta was buried at the top of Harpaco, my whenua. And I felt that it was still a cord there connecting me to Hedeweka and wherever I went all over the world, I was still connected to my maunga, to this mountain. And I would dream of being Kahura Hawk flying to Allen's Beach, a beautiful, beautiful beach, because my mother had found a hawk with a broken wing, which she cared for when she was pregnant with me. And so all these events, all of these moments in time, even before we're born and experience the light the light of the world the world of light even before we're born things influence us the stories that we're told influence so it's very important particularly at these times that we find ourselves in 
when we are unstressed, when we are, when we're having to do things a new way to make the best of a situation which is, which is hard for everyone. That we acknowledge what we're doing, that we're, the skills that we have. And we give ourselves a gift of happy stories, of stories, stories that can uplift us and remind us of who we are and what we can do. And many a time we will have these stories within our family, our immediate circle, even unexpectedly in the people that we with and meet. By ch- the wonderful thing about our consciousness, which I love, is that we can cast about, we can look about, and we can find the stories that are going to help us can choose. So even if we don't have those stories immediately available, we can find them. And I would encourage us to do so. A story is so powerful. And that's what we need. We need powerful tonic in this time. To hold our hand, to hold our heart, to embrace us. To embrace our own living story and to see us through. There's so much to love, there's so much to be hopeful about. There's so much to care about. There's so much to see and to do with the time that there's so much love to share with all life around us in an infinite web. It's beautiful what we have. Life is beautiful. And I would encourage us all to find the stories that give hope and meaning and remind us of our choice, our freedom. And of course, freedom can mean so many things to so many people. The words that we use and how we use them are important too. But for me, freedom is being myself. Freedom is knowing who I am and being able to move in the world as my. I'm very grateful I've had the opportunity to do that, and I hope you have too. It's such a gift to have this life and to have our own innate skills and gifts, which no one else has. And of course, this is true for all life. It's exciting for me to work at beautiful Otokanoe Eco Sanctuary, see all the new life springing into being, day upon day, moment upon moment. The power and the strength of the life force, the mo- of all of the life, that's so inspiring. Where there was bare land, the forest has returned. Where there was desolation, there was nothing. Life has returned, and life will always do this if it can. Such is the power of life. And it's beautiful to watch. Over the years was once a cleared bank, a cut track, starting with the tiniest microbes in the soil, and then lichen and moss, and then and now trees. All this life has got to see it. So lucky. And of course we are doing this in our own way. Where there are moments of desolation in our own life. When there are times when everything seems to... It does return, it will return. And this is part of who we are. This process of emerging 
from the darkness into the light, as we do each day. This renewal of hope, this knowing that we never have to give up. There's no need for us to ever give up. That's beautiful. So I really hope for you, whatever's sitting around you, wherever you are, that this process of unfolding to your own life, the learning and the changing, the growth and the movement that you're part it's all serving to remind you how connected you are to all iWeb, how precious you are, how the gifts that you have uniquely are here in service to the living world and perfectly contribute so much of what is needed. I know for myself to continue to croak away in bed today but I've also been into a magical musical telephone tonight. Collaborate on an improvised song called Lil Meatball as part of the Paracosm Party, a band playing furniture. So we will see what unfolds. But again, thank you for having me. I'll talk to you again soon. Kakiti. You are listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Genevieve Robinson. Genevieve, we started the show not intentionally the the series of shows and realized that our theme was positive but not deluded and just recently we've been coming around to thinking maybe just a dash of deluded is a good thing i love deluded where do you sit on that sort of the role of being positive that role of that positive mindset uh, well it's quite unrealistic isn't it to be quite frank um I think I don't know. I, I don't think I can even fathom what realistic is. I just I'm a dreamer. That's what I am, and often dreams come to re- become reality. And um, yeah. Now I'm going off the path, but yeah. <laughs> Positivity is really good, even if you fake your smile to, you know, until it really happens. Um, I was always told that. You know, fake it till you make it. Well, I haven't quite made it, but I'm faking it really well. Yeah. Do you have a, a a series of steps that works for you in terms of getting from dreams to reality? Yeah, pretty much. Um, paint it. If you can paint it or draw it, you can vision it um, and then it becomes reality. Or write it or take a photo. But no, not really. To be honest, um, I have done so many things in my life. I've been a starter and not a finisher, and that is the essence of me. But of late, now that, as I mentioned before, ADHD, I can actually finish things. I finished my diploma in journalism in the last few months. I'm quite happy about that. So that's positive. We have seen lots of change in the last couple of years, societal level change. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I think people have become extremely more nature-focused, especially family groups where kids are demanding more nature time now. Uh, I hope that sticks as well. Um, You know, a lot of European countries have always been that way. Uh, You know, is it Sweden or Denmark where the children nap outside and wrapped up in like minus 10 degrees? 
I've always been that person anyway. I wrapped my child up and slept them outside. But I hope more people start taking their shoes off and feeling their wet grass on their feet because I tell you what, if you go down the bariatric surgery route, your dietitian will steer you in that direction full stop. It lowers cortisol and it's proven to lower cortisol because cortisol is a fat-inducing hormone. It's stress-inducing anxiety. And if we lower that down anyway, we slow ourselves down and we actually take stock of what's around us, what's important. And I really hope people spend more time doing that than less time on their iPhones and iPads and television. And <sighs> At least for a little bit longer. Do you think that we've managed to hang on to those sorts of things as we've come out of the pandemic? Lots of us had grand plans about what we were going to do and then got busy again. I think we're, we started out really well. I think we've backtracked a little bit. Um, I mean, there's people actually, you know, actually getting COVID, like every second person's had COVID or you know, someone you know at least. I mean, I've had it. My family's had it. And I think when you've when you've actually had it, you actually realise that hey, we've actually got to really um, start doing those things. You've got to start getting out and doing things. Um, I think we've lost focus of the original reason why we locked down and what we gained from that lockdown. Uh, I think we do have to somehow reinvent ourselves based on the new life and um, nature's part of that. So you're seeing a reinvention rather than a, a return to business as usual? Yeah, I do. I think there's a lot of anxiety with people about the whole travel thing too, you know. Um, people haven't jumped on a plane in more than two years a lot. Um, I am nervous about doing it and uh, I think it is whether or not it's it's justified nerves or um, it's non-justified. But uh, I, I personally have concerns about it. Um, but, you know, some people are. But, you know, I talked to a friend who's actually flying to Fiji in, next month and they're actually taking a Dreamliner there, for God's sake, to Fiji. The largest plane on Earth is taking passengers just to Fiji. And the carbon footprint is almost un bearable to think about yeah bums on seats sure but short flights uh you know the boot um well the unspent fuel that's just disappearing into the abyss do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for those bigger sorts of questions things like climate change or social justice biodiversity collapse yeah i do I think we need to look back at the positives, the scientifically proven positives that came out of lockdown to do with things like atmosphere and ozone layers and that. I mean, they saw a change. And um, I think we really need to take stock of those things and not forget about them and lose sight of them. Um, with about biodiversity and uh, especially around this country, when you know through the Official Information Act that boats, large-scale boats, went out to sea, fish like never before, and didn't have observers or cameras on board, 
and they bought more than just the fish they went for back. They had a plethora of benthic material and other fish species and seals and dolphins and coral and all these endemic things in our oceans were just dumped. Um, we need to really seriously look why our Ministry of Fisheries is responsible for ocean conservation in this country. That is the thing that drives me every day. It does seem to be a small conflict of interest, actually a big one. It's, it's enormous. And our Minister of Fisheries is also a partial Minister of Conservation. And what other portfolio would allow that conflict? I'm not just coming up with all these ideas either. They've been well researched and answered by a, a huge array of, you know, IWC panel members, um, IUCN, red list people. Um, it, we've got a massive collapse of infrastructure. Uh, ocean is in dire straits. We're not following Australia for that either. I mean, they've protected more than 30% of their oceans. We've got less than one. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Chicane, Lost You Somewhere. Why this one? Oh, exactly the wording. We're all lost somewhere, aren't we? I like this. It's one of my power-walking songs.
Genevieve, I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. Okay. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? The birth of my son at 42. He's, Congratulations. He's yes, I'm, I'm turning 50 this year. How did that happen? I don't know. I still look about 12. <laughs> Maybe that's your superpower. What is your superpower? That I'm a woman. No, my superpower is probably that. Ah, God. I don't know. Which one do I pick? I think I've got a few of them. Well, you could give us some some options. Um, when laser eyes sneaks in, I, I'll tell you you can't have that one. I'm quite strong. I think I could win probably an arm wrestle. Uh, and I can talk behind legs off a donkey. I can talk to anybody. That is a superpower. I reckon you know, walk into a room and actually own it. If I am on the right topic, kind of. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? I'm an activist and lobbyist. I am indeed. Have you always been? Yes, but a sensible one. Like I don't chain myself to lampposts or anything like that. I would rather discuss the actual hot topic with the people that have the authority to make change. I don't see the point of, of um, just dismissing your credibility like that i just would rather get my facts right so what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning my son and the dolphins and probably the fact that i have um a mild diminishing eyesight issue and that if i don't start doing a little bit of a bucket list for my eyes then um if something happened i'd kick myself like um it's it's sort of un uncertain what's happening um so i really feel time is of the essence and i want to do as much as i can do is this bucket list things like see the mona lisa no i've seen that <laughs> tick uh, my partner's half french so we've been to france and and gone round and um yeah, I don't know. Mona Lisa is a god under it's overrated. Sorry, I was going to say underrated. It's just really drab. I can do a better picture than that, and my mum can too. So, what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? I want to run for ECAN and get in because I'll tell you what, <laughs> there's going to be some changes, and I'm very vocal. I uh, don't filter things out very well, and um, I think ECAN needs someone like that that isn't afraid to hide behind policy. You should have a chat with Alexa Forbes and our colleague and Otago Regional Councillor. I think you'd enjoy that. Lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um. Well, depending on what time of day they're listening to this, um, don't wait for the sun to shine. Just get out there and do it. Put on your raincoat, put on your 
whatever. Oh my God, sometimes you see so much differently when it's raining than when it's sunny and uh, time is off the essence. I've got an amazing friend who has motor neuron disease and he's got not much time up his sleeve and he's done some of the, sorry, some of the best conservation work I've ever seen. And, and I'll tell you what, the good do die young. And they do. Mawera. Genevieve, we need more Genevieves in the world. Thank you for the commitment that you've made to being the change um, and enabling others to be the change with you. Um, we need more people like you. Thank you very, very much for joining us today and thanks for all the work that you do. Kia ora. Thank you. We had no idea that it couldn't be done and we needed to find a like-minded someone who had no Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoon, three, and streamed and podcast on onr.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu Mackenzie. This is Tim We're at Karatai in Whakatane, and we've been joined from Christchurch by Genevieve Robinson. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Batiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.